And we are live. Welcome to the Signal 50 podcast for Wednesday, July 7th, 2021, with our new co-host, Kilo Romeo 522. Kilo, welcome to the program. Uh, you've got some pretty sizable shoes to fill from Bravo uh, and his departure, unfortunately. So welcome to the program. Thanks for Thank joining us. Thanks for having me, Alpha. Glad to be here. We're glad to hear. So in case anybody missed the last program when uh, when we had Kilo on, uh, we had some technical issues on Sunday night, so we do apologize for that. Um, we uh, we brought Kilo back as our, as a, as a host, a co-host because Bravo has to, uh, he's, he's done with the podcast, unfortunately. So we, uh, we're welcoming Kilo. This is a, this is not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination and it's a little bit difficult. So we're going to, we're going to give him a break, but we have a bunch of things that we want to talk about tonight. And Kilo brings a, a wealth of uh, worldly experience with him, uh, a different perspective on the world. And he's a well-traveled man. Uh, without saying too much, let's just say he's pretty well-rounded and he's more than capable of uh, keeping track of current events. So tonight, without further ado, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Governor Cuomo uh, and you know some of the Second Amendment issues that are going on in the state of New York and, and Cuomo's new war on gun violence, apparently. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Be talking about a uh, U.S. Olympian. Her name is Gwen Berry. In case anybody hadn't noticed, uh, she's the one who you know just made a buffoon out of herself. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about something that happened with the fire department of New York and uh, the ticker tape parade that was down there uh, thrown by de Blasio in the city for some of the uh, first responders down there. We'll talk a little bit about what happened there. Uh, as a lot of you know. Uh, We've been involved in Afghanistan for roughly 20 years, uh, which is 10 years longer than the Russians. And uh, uh, we're about 90% of the way pulled out of there at, at this point. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, some of the consequences of of what might go on there. And there's, there's another story. You know, we like to bring an economic story to you every episode to talk a little bit about the economy what we see coming, and some of the things that not a lot of people are talking about that you really should be aware of. We have an unfunded pension liability problem in this country, and we'll be getting a little bit into that. So, you know, first, a uh, little housekeeping. Generally speaking, we're going to be doing our shows on Wednesday, and we're going to do Sunday. Generally speaking, we do about 9 o'clock Eastern time. You can catch us on YouTube. Uh, the link has been provided. We catch us on Rumble later on in the evening when we upload it to Rumble and all your favorite podcast outlets. And thank you very much. We have some sponsorship changes that are going to be coming really soon uh, to the Signal 50 podcast. Uh, we were actually able to pick up some sponsors. So that's really good. And our circulation is really, really growing. So thanks a lot for listening to us and trusting us with an hour of your time tonight. Uh, and and on Sunday nights. Thank you very, very much. The audience has grown by leaps and bounds, and there's some special things that are going to be happening here really soon. Uh, so we'll let you, we'll keep you informed on that. So without further ado, let's get into the news that we want to talk about this evening. And let's start off with, with something that uh, Kilo wanted to talk about, which is uh, his favorite governor, uh, Governor Cuomo. So Kilo, why don't you go ahead and, and let's talk a little bit about what's happening with this buffoon. Well, I think uh, Governor Cuomo is taking a page out of his good friend Rahm Emanuel's book and 
not letting a good crisis go to waste. That seems to be the mantra of folks that share his mindset. And now we've declared a war on gun violence. You know, apparently we we didn't mishandle the nursing home issue in New York State and kill enough senior citizens. Um, and so now we have to course correct for the mistake that we made when, you know, we let dangerous criminals out on the street in the name and spirit of bail reform. That's that's the euphemism we use here in the Empire State, bail reform, uh, because, you know, the process that worked fairly well for many, many years, you know, apparently we had to change that for change's sake. So now we've got people who should be locked up, no longer locked up, running around with weapons, firearms that they were obtained illegally. Oh, what do you mean? They, they, they don't have permits for these guns that they have? No, Alpha. I, I think it's a pretty safe bet that they don't because they're all cited on weapons charges when they're arrested again. So um, this is a fellow who is absolutely positively in love with power. The state legislature, who the vast majority of whom are from his political party, stripped him of his emergency powers because he's so out of control. And so apparently we don't have enough to do, um, aside from road work all over the place now. We don't have enough to worry about there with respect to infrastructure. So, you know, now we have to go after the guns again. And uh, the governor just doesn't learn. And the folks on that side of the aisle from that mindset just don't learn. Um, so, all of us so, who go ahead. I'm sorry. So what's their plan? Oh, it's just one more way that we're, we're, we're setting up councils and focus groups to figure out ways to take firearms legally obtained and purchased and required licenses and permits, what have you, obtained by law-abiding citizens, we're going to take those away from mm -hmm. the law-abiding citizens. And, you know, this is going to solve the problem with gun violence because, you know, it's the law-abiding citizens that are causing all of these problems. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it is absolute insanity. Well, what I find very, very interesting is the state of New York has got some of the most restrictive handgun laws and and semi-automatic sporting rifle laws uh in in the country uh yep. aside from like let's say massachusetts connecticut is pretty tough but not quite as bad and new jersey is really rough but but i think i think new york takes the cake right oh you're not kidding and and you compare that with a place like let's say west virginia okay now, West Virginia has got constitutional carry. If you are over the age of 21 and not a prohibited person, uh, whether you're a resident of the state of Virgin West Virginia or not, when you enter the state, you can carry a handgun. No problem. Uh, Mississippi, and, and there's a growing number of states with constitutional carry, even Texas. Florida is heading that way. They have a permit system in Florida. You can carry a gun in your car in Florida without a permit. And some of their gun laws are pretty lax. Uh, it seems to me that they these states with the responsible citizens carrying firearms have far less problems. I mean, can can anybody explain that to me? Well, apparently uh, Governor Cuomo can here. I'm going to quote right from the New York Post article today. 
we're going to be in much better shape when he's done because he's unveiling a seven-point plan that includes treating gun violence as an emergency public health issue, using data and science to zero in on shooting hotspots. So apparently the states like West Virginia and Florida and Texas, they haven't gotten the memo to use all this science. Apparently the lack of science is what the problem is, Alpha. Well, maybe they just need a seven-point plan. Right. I didn't see any of the rest of the points in this article, but uh, it just it just doesn't stop. You know, the, 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 the gun grabbers just do not stop. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it is absolutely amazing that people who sit in his administration who make lots of money and the ones at the top make lots of money are advising him that this is a good idea. You, hmm. you, you make a problem with bail reform that lets people who shouldn't be out of jail run all over the streets, wreak all kinds of havoc, and then you want to take the ability for people who follow the law and go to work and pay taxes and live decent lives to defend themselves. Because running parallel with this, let's not forget, we want to cut down on the police. We don't need these police anymore. These, these these police are intrinsically flawed. We don't need as many. We don't need them. Right. So the, right. the police can't protect you. You can't protect yourself. I, I guess you just give up your throat. I I just shake my head. I don't know what else to do. I don't understand either. I don't understand the logic behind it. Um, I, I just I, I, I've never understood the logic of it. I lived in New York for for many 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 years, and I had a carry permit. And I had a carry permit for many, many years, like many, many years. The The minute I turned 21 years old, I, I applied for my pistol permit. You know, four months later and, and several hundred dollars later, by the time I was done, I had my carry permit. Now, it's just an amazing uh, array of hoops and loops and, and, and barrel rolls you have to go through in the state of New York to legally own a firearm. And when you take it seriously, there it's it's just ridiculous that that they have such a huge problem. You'd think with with all of these laws, everybody would behave themselves, right? Well, you would think, yes. Apparently, that doesn't work. <laughs> no, I think the very definition of a criminal is somebody who doesn't follow the laws or or norms, right? So also true. I, I just don't know what to tell you. You know, I lived in, I moved to a place where the gun laws were incredibly permissive. When I first moved there, I was just stunned, stunned at how easy it was to go get a handgun. All you had to do was show them your driver's license. You were done. Mm -hmm. A carry permit was go down to the sheriff's department, pay them their, their little fee. They run a quick background check on you. Done. You, Bob's your uncle. You got a gun. You're cool. Couldn't believe it. Not here. No, this, no. this I mean, <clears throat> I had left the state when I was 22 years old um, and Andrew Cuomo's father was governor <laughs> and I didn't think it could get much worse, but boy, oh boy. Um, and the, and the fact that this gentleman gets the passes that he has gotten repeatedly, because this is in the middle of several Female staffers saying that, you know, there were issues with him being a little touchy feely and inappropriate. Right. You know, that that got swept under the carpet. And even back when he used to manage his father's political campaigns, 
you know, some of the awful, hateful things he he had said against the other mayoral candidates of New York City, uh, the, the, the man who was uh, a homosexual and, and the way that, you know, the, the Cuomo political machine went after him. And, you know, you, you don't hear anything about that in the mainstream media either. So no, no, you certainly um, don't hear any of that in the mainstream media. I mean, look, you've got he's he's untouchable essentially and and nobody is going to put a check on his power and it it's just ridiculous let's let's talk a little bit about you know some of the draconian measures that the state of new york has gone through uh in the name of protecting uh people from gun violence the safe act to name one thing right oh that's right you don't need any more than 10 bullets in any that's of right. your guns 10 bullets. So hope you're a good shot. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That's just utterly, utterly ridiculous. And if 10 bullets is too much, follow your president, your commander in chief's advice and just get a shotgun. That's all you hey, need. Hey, well, that, that's the single shot, I... 410. Single shot. Four... <laughs> well, a shotgun would be the first thing I'd grab for in the middle of the night anyway. So, okay. So he's not so wrong there. I'm okay with that one. But, uh, you know, it's just it's just absolutely absurd. The restrictions on the constitutional on, on constitutional rights that the Supreme Court has upheld time and time and time again. It's it's ridiculous. The people of the state of New York, you know, everything from Westchester down, just cut it off the state, set it adrift and upstate would be just much better off without them. Well, it, it is so crazy here for folks who are listening around the nation and around the world. It is so crazy here. If you move from county to county, by rights, you're supposed to apply for a new pistol permit. That's so right. It, it, so it, and anything south of Poughkeepsie, forget it. Le leave your leave your guns at home. You know, you yeah. have to write a letter basically to the chief constable, either chief of police or or this, you know, the sheriff in charge of the county, uh, and you have to explain, you know, why you have to, you feel you have to carry a firearm concealed and they can it's, say no for whatever reason well back in the day i mean this whole uh reason to carry and and you know uh what did they call it a possession permit or a a home permit only to and from the range and you can carry on your own property instead of a full carry permit that nonsense started in the mid to late 90s, as I recall, Yes, in, in the state of New York. And I always had a full carry. And, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. The reason I had a full carry permit was I was friends with the judge. Well, it's just sad that it had to come to that. You know, you know the what? Fact, the fact that you're an upstanding citizen... You have no criminal record. You pay your taxes. People in the community look up to you. Yep. And and you have the right protected by this, you know, little document that's uh, I'm told is living and breathing called the United States Constitution. It's sad that the only way that you could exercise that right is to have a friend who was on the bench. Uh, Pretty sad, right? Yes, Terrible. sir. Just yes, absolutely terrible. And, and you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it. It was a corrupt way of doing things. It was very corrupt. It was currying favor with the magistrate to to buy your rights back from the state. And if I wasn't friends with the magistrate or the judge in this case, I would have never 
been able to have a full carry permit. You know, and and that's just a shame of it. There are people that didn't have any access to these people who who just wound up not being able to have a carry permit. So it's just it's just really a corrupt system. It's bad. I, I I'm guilty of it. I I committed the the mortal sin of of knowing uh, a, a certain judge who's no longer with us. And I used to play golf with the guy. Uh, so it was like he called me on the phone. He says your permit renewal paperwork is in front of me. You're all set. He called me on the phone. There you go. He's like, I signed it. Go to the sheriff's department. Go pick up your new paperwork. You're good to go. When I had to renew, it's just crazy. But anyhow, you know, listen, we can go on and on and on about this for for hours. I live in a a blue state now. It's bad as hell. It's just nowhere near as bad as New York. At least we can still have AR-15s as long as there are certain conditions. And it's all nonsensical and arbitrary. And gun violence here is absolutely astronomically out of control. Remember. Unfortunately, I live in the state where we have to claim Baltimore. Well, there you go. And and you <sighs> see so many things in common. You see, you see so many things in common. Every one of these states where they start cracking down on guns, crime is out of control. Oh, right. And, and nobody, again, the advisors, these brilliant people who are supposed to be ad- advising these equally brilliant politicians, Nobody can seem to figure out that, you know, the best deterrent for the bad person that wants to break into somebody's house and do them harm is to have to think about, I could lose my life doing this. Is that big screen TV behind that door really worth me losing a part of my body that I care about? That's right. And the answer is most certainly no. Contrarily. Am I going to shoot somebody over a big screen TV? Nope. That's what insurance is for. But if you break into my house in the middle of the night, it's not about a big screen TV anymore. Nope. Anyhow. So moving along, you know, Hey, listen, we could, we could sit here and talk about that all night long. You know, we got, we got the Olympics coming up and, and I used to just absolutely, when I was a kid, when the Olympics were on, we used to sit in front of the, the idiot box. We used to sit there and just, absolutely were glued to the screen just Win- absolutely glued winter or summer i mean both Doesn't i remember being nine years old watching the olympic team beat the soviet army and i remember how happy i was in uh, when they put the dream team together because i used yeah. to get so upset when our college athletes would lose to the professionals from around the world and um it's just amazing how different things are now at least for me when i watch the the Olympics. Well, yeah, I mean, look, when, when I was a kid, I was, I can remember watching the 1980 Olympic winter Olympic games on a 13 inch black and white TV. I watched our guys beat the Soviets and then beat Finland uh, for the gold medal. And, and we were on vacation. We were in Florida when we were kids and that was on television. And you know what? We all huddled around a 13 inch uh, black and white television at grandma's house and the world stopped turning and the summer games. I remember when Bruce Jenner used to dress like a man and, you know, I watched those Olympics as well. Um, so yeah, they were very near and dear to me. It was one of my dreams to participate in the winter Olympics, 
uh, when I was a kid, I was a skier. I was a competitive skier, not really great. I mean, I was pretty decent, but you know, there were a lot of people that were better than me. And that was always kind of when you were a kid, when you grew up in upstate New York, I mean, you skied. Yes. Because what the hell else was there to do in the wintertime, right? Too young to drink. So yeah. That's right. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, we went skiing and drinking at the same time. I don't know. The next thing you know, there'll be re- revocation of statute of limitations on underage drinking. So I got to go on record saying I never did that. Never I didn't of, do that. I, I, never, I didn't think. Nope. Nope. Stand the fellows that we are. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, look, that was always the dream. So you got this, this gal named Gwen Berry, right? She's a track runner or she's she, hammer throw. Right. Hammer throw. That's correct. Was hammer throw. Uh, I do apologize. And, you know, she she took the moment because she came in third place to to absolutely take a squat on the American flag. And to just completely disrespect the, the entire process and her teammates who did beat her. She stole the moment. Oh, absolutely. And I, I again, this today we can talk about Gwen Berry. But I, this, again, just like the last topic, like so many of them that we could discuss, you all have discussed, I hope that we discuss in the future, these are symptoms of a much larger problem, okay? What she doesn't seem to understand is that her sponsors were taxpaying citizens and corporate sponsors and folks who made random donations, because I'm pretty sure she didn't fund herself to get there. I'm sure it happens, but not very often. Right. And when you accept that sponsorship and you are on the team of the United States of America, what you represent is a heck of a lot more important than who you are. (laughs) That's right. And, And these athletes don't seem to understand that. And the professionals or the supposed professionals in our country don't seem to understand that. That you live in the greatest nation in the world. Do we have problems and faults and failings? You bet. But if you look at our history, we have spent the better part of our history. The overwhelming majority of our population tries to improve itself daily. That's right. And That's right. Whatever your issues are, you show respect to that flag and what this country represents, even if it's less than perfect. You know, it's really funny. You know, this this gal, she's she's a black gal, Gwen, Gwen Berry. It's not really about race, but I'm going to I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial and I'm OK with it. You know, it's really interesting that that was the flag that ended slavery. Exactly. The same one that she decided to, you know, uh, basically crap on, um, you know, what are you thinking? You, you are an Olympic athlete on the U S Olympic team. What did you think this was all about? Yep. I, I don't know if it was more, I'm a spoiled brat and I didn't win the event because clearly I'm the best in the world and, you know, this was just a bad day. Or, again, uh, citing the New York Post article on page 7, today's paper, you know, apparently there were some some tweets that have been 
taken down and nobody can view them anymore. Now, if it was somebody from a different political persuasion, those would have been archived and cast in bronze. And we'd be, you know, that would be the stain of shame you would have to see in perpetuity. You would, that whoever put those inappropriate tweets up would never be able to escape them. But, well, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. I, 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 did you see the picture of her wrapping herself in the American flag uh, during the last Olympic uh, event that she was uh, taking part in? No, sir. I did not see that. Oh, that was a couple of years ago. You know, she, you know, what's changed between then and now, right? <laughs> That's a very, very profound question, Alpha. What has changed? I mean, have we slid that far down the rabbit hole in the past couple of years? I don't think so. Not in that regard, we haven't. I, I don't. I, I'm not in that regard. You know, I don't think so. If everybody wants to make everything about race, then we are taking a giant step backwards in our country from where our founding fathers wanted us to be at this point. Well, and that's absolutely correct. And it takes the efforts of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and kind of kind of squats all over that, too, where we're not looking at people based on the color of their skin, but rather on the content of their char character. And I have to tell you, if Miss Barry's actions are indicative of her character, I as an American, a citizen of the United States, am embarrassed that she was selected to represent me. Correct. I completely concur with you, Kilo. It's, it's a damn shame. There are so many people that would be dying to have that position. It, it, you got to remember, these competitions to downselect these athletes are games of hundreds, thousands of a second, inches, millimeters, you know, any given Sunday, somebody could have taken her place. Absolutely. Was she was she skillful in getting there? Yes, absolutely. Cannot take anything away from this woman and her athletic ability. But was there a good measure of luck in there that somebody else didn't have a little bit better day on the down select? Yeah, I think so. So you know what? Consider yourself lucky. Pull that crap in Saudi Arabia or some other third world dirt hole and watch what happens to you. That's absolutely right, but she'll her inappropriate and disgusting behavior will be rewarded. You know, she'll probably get a book and a and a movie deal out of it, and everybody will hail her as a generational heroine. Yeah, but when well, ju just want you to know, not everybody feels that way. You you well, shamed us, and Gwen more importantly, Barry. you shamed yourself. Gwen Berry, you are a fraud. You're a fraud. Disgrace. I got news for you. Anybody going to Tokyo for these Olympics, if they pull any of this crap in Tokyo and they start disgracing flags or, or national anthems or anything like that, I have news for you. Or they play this BLM card or whatever activist cause that they want to play into. I have news for these people. The Japanese are not going to put up with this. They have laws in their country. They said, they've come out and said, this is not going to wash here. If any athletes pull this crap in Tokyo, they're going to be arrested. Oh, they, and folks don't understand if, if I may for a, for a second, Alpha. Sure. Um, the process of jurisprudence in Japan 
is significantly different than it is here in the United States. As a fellow who was privileged to lead sailors in a former career at a different time in my life when I was younger, stronger, faster, more debonair, handsome, and modest, um, if you had a sailor get arrested in Japan and miss ship's movement, there's no guarantee to a speedy trial. And it is not like in this country where you get three hots in a cot and commissary. If you don't have family, friends, or shipmates bringing you meals, there's a pretty chance you're pretty good chance you're not going to eat today. So it's not a matter of over there of just, you know, being disrespectful to somebody's, you know, flag or nation or home where you come from. If you're charged with a crime over there, good luck, Gwen. Good luck. Or any other athlete that decides to act the fool. Well, the the Japanese gave everybody fair warning. Absolutely. Full stop. Don't pull this crap here. It's not going to work well for you. Things are distinctly different in different parts of the world. I remember we're going back now 25, maybe 30 years. I'm sure you remember this, Alfred. You remember the Americans that were over in Singapore? and spit in public and violated that law and got caned. <laughs> yes, you remember that? Remember there oh, was almost, they wanted us to go to war over it because some <laughs> insolent little brat couldn't respect the law and show good manners and not be spitting out in public. And I he remember. got cracked on the rear end with the cane and, oh, we were supposed to feel sorry for him. I remember I wrote a letter over to, to that government and said, you, you know, minimum 10 strikes. You know, he got smacked on the rear end one time should have gotten it more when he was a kid. Maybe well, <laughs> his perspective might have been different. Well, listen, I spend a lot of time overseas, okay? And and mm-hmm. I travel to foreign countries. And let me tell you something, that flag that you're spitting on, that affords you an awful lot of protection in certain respects, especially when you're on on you know, Connus. You know, that flag is is your suit of armor here in the United States. And when we had a strong leader, that flag was a suit of armor around the world because nobody's going to kidnap an American because we don't negotiate. We don't pay ransoms. And if, if somebody has enough political swag, they're going to send seal team six after your ass somewhere, somewhere in the world. And, and these terrorist pukes around the world, they, they understand that they're not stupid. It's the same thing of it's mutually assured destruction. You screw with an American and the American government is going to screw back. To quote the great American philosopher, Toby Keith will put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Correct. But, you know, when we have a weak leader and again, a weak supporting cast that advises this leader, it becomes a joke. And when we do things like our friend Gwen Berry did, it facilitates the fact that we're a joke. You can't expect anybody else to respect this country. If the people that are representing it when the, when the stage lights are on, don't respect it. hundred percent, hundred percent. So Gwen, may fortune forever be in your favor. Good luck with your 15 minutes of fame in six months. Nobody will remember you. And maybe sometime when we have real leadership in this country and people feel patriotism like they did before, you'll just be a footnote in history. So good luck to you, Gwen. Yep. Good luck to you and all your little cause heads. So, you know, uh, along those lines, 
there are some people in the world that are near and dear to my heart uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, they're, they're extended family. Uh, I knew a lot of these guys. I worked with them when I was a firefighter in upstate New York. Uh, fast amount of respects for them. Uh, you know, Kilo, you've got a, you've got a story here that you want to talk about a little bit, uh, a little bit of something happened in a ticker tape parade for frontline workers in New York city. Oh, my, my second favorite politician in New York state is <laughs> mayor Bill de Blasio. You mean Wilhelm de Blasio. Uh, Wilhelm. That's right. Wilhelm Werner. Your papers, yeah. please. Um, but he didn't want that. He was ashamed enough of his family heritage that he had to take on. Is it a nom de gore or nom de plume? I'm not sure what it was. Nom anyway, he wanted to sound like he was an Italian because Italians had a lot of stroke in New York City for a while. So he became the uh, I think he's the first fake Italian New York mayor. Uh, anyway, he's he's made such a disaster of things down there. Well, he's, he's a fraud. Not, Right. And he's not going to go for reelection. So one of his last uh, grandiose acts of charity and benevolence to, to the little people uh, was to have a heroes parade in New York City. And it started uh, in page 19 of today's New York Post. There is an open letter to Mayor Bill de Blasio signed by Benny, Benny Bascio Jr., the president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association. Uh, and the New York City firefighters uh, followed suit with President uh, Bascio's letter and mindset. And, you know, the letter today starts, I'm just going to quote a little piece of it here. Uh, I want all New Yorkers to know that because of the Department of Corrections gross mismanagement and sheer negligence, far too many of our pandemic heroes are no longer with us. Over 1,700 correction officers contracted COVID-19, and tragically, nine of them succumb to this deadly disease. Um, you read this letter and the facts that are presented in it make your hair stand up. Second to last paragraph. Without PPE, our last line of defense was a strict testing regimen. In line with federal, state, and local protocol, we fought for frequent COVID testing for our members in order to keep both inmates and staff safe from infections. When the Department of Corrections was finally able to provide limited testing on Rikers, inmates, not correction officers, were the priority. And when correction officers tested positive for COVID, they were prohibited from using their sick leave benefits to safely quarantine. These women and men are putting their lives on the line. You know, the police officers who arrest these criminals have guns, batons, handcuffs, tasers, sheer force and numbers to protect themselves. The correction officers on the tiers, they've got their wits, common sense, and ability to ration with, you know, to be rational, rational with people who have nothing to lose. And that is how they were treated. And so the New York City firefighters boy, boycotted the ticker tape parade in solidarity with their union sisters and brothers. And God bless them for doing that, to have the backbone to stand up for it. Um, <laughs> what strikes me as really ironic is the unions usually tend to back the Democratic candidates, you know, and once again, they got hung out to dry by the people that they helped get elected into office. So I salute the firefighters and I salute the corrections officers and the police officers union who said not enough, not today. The last short paragraph of 
what we found on page 19 is great. So no, we won't be in today's parade. You won't see us on your Twitter page. You sure as hell won't see us in a photo op. We will never forget the Department of Corrections failure to keep New York's boldest safe, and neither should New York City. Amen, President Basio. Truer words were seldom spoken. Those guys that work in Rikers or Kaksaki or Auburn or any of the correctional facilities in the state of New York, not just, you know, the New York City guys, right? That is a hell of a tough job. Oh, boy. Super, super dangerous job. You know, you're you're locked up in there, not with people who who might, you know, you you're not a police officer on the street. I would have to say that a police officer will encounter I don't know. This is just a guess. Eighty percent of the people that he deals with are just people having a tough day or something has gone wrong. You know, generally speaking, the you know, their day went off the tracks and they have an interaction with police, a car accident. They did something stupid, you know, whatever. These aren't career criminals that that the cops get to deal with on the rare occasion that they do. That can end badly, too. I mean, that's a tough job all the way around. Right. Think about it. You're a corrections officer with a a fairly decent amount of training. You're completely unarmed, surrounded, locked in there with these creeps. You got baby rapers in there. You got murderers, you know, people who've committed assault. You you name it. You got the rabble of the world locked up in jail awaiting trial or that have been convicted. Right. They're unarmed. Amen. These people have got balls the size of church bells. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And they don't get enough. Be, they don't get enough recognition. They to just be don't hung, get enough recognition. To be hung out to dry the way that they have. And again, in, in my former profession as a United States Naval officer, you were taught at a very young age that when you're in charge of it, whatever that is, if it's a if it's your first shop, a work center of five or six people, if it's a division of two dozen, if it's a command of 3000. When it all goes right, it's because you're the next greatest hero since Douglas MacArthur. When it goes wrong, it's because you were in charge and you're accountable for it. And Mayor de Blasio has to be accountable for what happened in his city to his civil servants that he and his administration left hanging. Again, another disgrace. Thanks for nothing, Bill. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I don't understand how New York City keeps picking these winners. And after the uh, after we just watched that election, the primary election down there, I'm not so sure people are picking, but that's another story for another day. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's that's going to be an interesting topic. We're going to on the next program. I think we're going to be able to get into that. I think there's going to be some more election news in the next uh, in the next couple of weeks coming I out. I think that that's a safe bet. About. I think so, too. I think so, too. So, you know, listen, uh, we're, we're talking about some some, you know, national politics here and some national stories. And this is a national story, but it's more got of an international uh, ring to it. Right. Everybody knows we've been in a state of conflict in Afghanistan for the better part of 20 years. The Russians played in Afghanistan for 10 years. They decided one day to pull the plug uh, because our CIA 
started arming uh, our allies who turned into the Taliban. <laughs> we have just such a great track record with our CIA and foreign policy of doing these things. Uh, Christians in action. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, we, we, we are our own worst enemy. So anyhow, uh, it's time to leave Afghanistan. So at this point, as of today, uh, without any real plan, organization, or forethought, we have withdrawn more than 90% of our personnel and equipment from Afghanistan. We're retrograding back. We're doing it at such a clip that Bagram Air Force Base was like abandoned. Just And the commander was like, what happened? Where'd everybody go? Does anybody understand the consequences of what's about to happen here? I'm not saying that we belong there. I'm not saying that we should stay. I'm just saying we should probably put a little bit more thought into this. What do you think there, Kilo? Well, I think in life, Alpha, consistency is the key to success. <laughs> and the good, good news is if past performance is indicative of future trends, uh, President Biden and his administration is consistent. Um, now, the fact that it's consistently bad will never get reported by the people who should report it. But by doing things that the way, the way that they were done with this withdrawal, the only thing, or, or I should say the top thing that's going to happen is those Afghanis who were loyal to us, our interpreters, our local drivers, those that were on the supply run helping with the logistics chain. Their death warrants are signed, as are the death warrants for their family members. The same thing happened to us in Iraq. The people who tried to make the nation better and took us at our word and helped us got left behind and to, almost to a fate worse than death. And anybody who doesn't believe that, find an honest media outlet who did reports on the Kurds and tell me how they're making out these days. Not so good. And that is exactly what we're going to see here. Yeah, we did the same thing in Vietnam. Look at look what happened to the Hmong people. Hmong oh. people. Not a lot of people, you know, listen, my generation, you know, we were, a lot of our teachers were uh, Vietnam vets. And, and they didn't really like to talk about their experiences in Vietnam. Uh, because reasons, right? This was the mid to early 80s the wounds were still fresh a lot of these guys came back 70 71 72 so they had you know about 12 or 13 years back from vietnam and they, they weren't really talking about it and when i went to school it really wasn't part of the curriculum we weren't really taught about the vietnam war uh which was a shame so everything you learned about the vietnam war you had to learn for yourself uh, I had the fortune of living in a place called Minnesota. Now, you wouldn't associate Minnesota with any kind of activity about Vietnam War, except for one thing. 
The mountain people of Cambodia, the hill people, they were called the Hmong. They fought on our side in the Vietnam War. Now, the North Vietnamese army and the communists over there got their hands on a lot of these people after we skedaddled out of Vietnam, and they started slaughtering them, wholesale fashion. And a group of missionaries went over there, they rounded up the Hmong, and they brought them to the United States. Great people. Truly courageous people that helped and fought on our side. We abandoned people. We're abandoning these Afghan interpreters. You talk to any of these guys, these guys that are, you know, in their 30s now, they fought a couple of tours, a lot of special forces guys, and the Afghanis that fought with them were just as brave as they were, fought just as hard. They risked more than the Americans because their families were in danger. We've just abandoned all of them. That's disgusting. I, 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 I can't believe that we're, we're behaving this way. Apparently, some of these folks are going to be brought to Guam. What the hell are they going to do in Guam? Well, again, I, I come back alpha to consistency and, sure. uh, and, yeah. and the consistent theme for the topics that we talked about, be it local, national or international level. The word of the day, boys and girls, is disgrace. It's unbelievable. I mean, listen, let, let's just face it. And, and this is painful to say. Whenever we get into a conflict anywhere in the world, we we draw in the locals and we find people that are friendly to us and we treat them, you know, accordingly and we use them. Being the operative word, use. And then we abandon them. Now, people around the world are are relatively bright, right? Yes. Why would anybody ever want to be on our side if we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again to the people that try to help us? Why? Think about that one for a minute. We're creating enemies everywhere because nobody wants to be on our side because helping us is a death sentence for these people. Because we're going to leave. Blowback. If that's our if that's our terminal objective, we're doing one hell of a job. And that's exactly how the war on terror started. We abandoned the people that we helped defeat the Soviets. And it turned into a catastrophe in Afghanistan, and it became a hotbed of opium trade and terror and training camps and a refuge for al-Qaeda, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to, to gain in power and strength in a region and absolutely oppress the people that there are decent people in Afghanistan, there are decent people everywhere. There are really bad people that came to power after we just abandoned those people. We created our own enemies. 
Osama bin Laden was our ally at one time. Am I not? Am I not correct? You're absolutely correct. What happened? Huh? Did we abandon him? Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good chance. Yeah. Well, there you go. So we're creating our own problem. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. So, you know, we can talk about that for hours. I mean, we've got a lousy track record. The only time we did anything right, and a lot of credit has to be given, this pains me to say it. After World War II, we had two enemies. Well, actually three. You know, the Italians, to an extent, were not so good either. We had the Japanese. We had the Germans. The Germans were really bad, and the Japanese were really bad. But at the end of the day, they realized that they were defeated, and they had enough honor to put their head down in shame and go into a period of deep self-reflection and to say, you know, we were really, really bad. And they stopped their crap immediately, and they turned their countries around, and they became productive members of the world community. Correct? Sure did. Sure did. Hard to say it, but at least those enemies had a little bit of pride and shame. The Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, these people, we created them. They have no shame. They've got a long-term plan. They hate us. They want us dead. They're never going to stop. And now we just keep emboldening them by leaving not in favor of staying either. I don't have all the answers, but, you know, anyhow. Moving along, and and on some not-so-bright news, generally speaking, what we do here is we, we mix it up with, you know, a lot of different stories. And one of the topics that we'd like to focus on from time to time are stories on the economy and, and how that impacts your economy sitting around the kitchen table at home. So, Something that nobody is talking about. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, in in previous programs about, you know, COVID and the effect of the shutdowns and job loss and the impacts on the economy and how much money the federal government is flowing into the economy for nothing. You're talking about rising inflation. We're talking about foreclosures. We're talking about uh, repossessions, all of the bad stuff, right? And there's something that a lot of people count on when they get older. Uh, They work for it. They go to work for the state. Okay, let's face it. Going to work for the United States government or state government or a locality, you're never going to get, well, unless you're a politician, you're never going to get rich. Okay. You're, you're, you're just a, you're, you're a bureaucrat, right? And you're just pushing paper. You're trying to do the right thing. You're just assuming the good in all people, right? You're trying to do the right thing. You're working for a paycheck and you're working for a pension, right? That's correct. You're, you're, what do they say in civil service? You're trading ambition for security. Correct. So you do your 20 and it's like, it's like working for the military and that that's changed too. The military used to have a nice pension system. The military doesn't have a pension system anymore. As best I know it, they have a 401k system. Am I, am I correct there? Kilo? I I think. Yes, sir. That's correct. All right. So here's the deal. Pensions are this big pot of money, right? That the state contributes to, and you know, it's a promise to pay X amount of dollars after you retire for so many years. Generally speaking, it's 
you know, if it's state, county, or local, it's until the day you die for the most part. So you have a guaranteed income after retirement after you do X amount of years of service. And the amount of money you get in your pension is based on your last three, generally speaking, as a rule, your your three highest earning years. That's what your pension is based out of. It's a percentage of your three highest years of pay, overtime pay, bonus pay, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Okay. <laughs> what nobody's talking about and we need to talk about are the unfunded pension liabilities. Those are promises that have been made to people who fulfilled their obligations, played by those rules, and have an expectation in retirement of achieving a certain lifestyle or a certain grade of pay over their retirement years. Now, here's the problem. They're unfunded. Those unfunded liabilities from everybody that have has retired, those unfunded liabilities are funded by people that are presently working and contributing to the pension system. It's like a revolving door. It's like a um, it's a self-kicking dog, right? The guy behind you is the one paying your freight all the way through your retirement. Here's the problem. State, county, and local governments are all running in the red. They don't have the money to put back into the pension system. Those liabilities going forward are unfunded. Am I explaining this well? I think you're doing an outstanding job. It's a very complex topic to think about. It's like a it's like trying to lift yourself up. You're standing in a bucket and you're trying to lift yourself up by the handle. Okay? You can't do it. It's it's almost impossible. So Overall, there's more than $900 billion in unfunded pension liabilities that have occurred in the last two years. Now, overall in this country, in this country of people that have retired from state, county, local governments, the unfunded pension liabilities are totaling $5.82 trillion. Where's that money going to come from? Geez, Alpha, I I mean, going based on what we've done with this whole stimulus mess, I thought we were just going to print more. And that, can we do that? We, we, we could. But then you're going to be taking a wheelbarrow full of money down to the grocery store to buy a loaf of bread. I thought they tried that someplace. Yeah. Back Weimar in World War I. Yeah. The, yeah. What is that? The Weimar Republic or yeah, the Weimar Republic? Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. That one. Yeah, when they had to use a wheelbarrow full of Weimar Deutschmarks to go ahead and buy a loaf of bread. The same thing is happening. Inflation. That's hyperinflation. Inflation occurs when you have a large pool of money competing for a very small pool of resources. Okay. So the money is pumped out of the federal government, and it's all competing for the same resources. That resource just got really expensive because the people that hold that resource realize that, you know, geez, you know, I can charge more money for it. Or other circumstances, the cost of my producing that because inflation has occurred across the supply chain and in wages has gone so high, I have to charge X amount of dollars to cover my nut. And inflation happens, right? Now, here's here's the problem with unfunded pension liabilities. 
you have people that are counting on the fact that when they retire, they're, everything's going to be happy, happy. They're living on the promise. What happens someday when these pension holders and these pension accounts and pension funds go to their their shareholders, the stakeholders, and say, you know, geez, uh, yeah, really sorry to tell you we can't cover that debt and we can't pay you this month. Ouch. Ouch. Well, it's a good thing that we are not a station here of conspiracy theorists. Because if we were, I would say the best way to solve that problem would be to reduce the number of people collecting pensions, like maybe by injecting them. Oh, I can't say that. Never mind. I'm sorry. Oh, huh. yeah. Yeah, we're going to get censored for that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's the plan? And run this in parallel track with the nominee who wants to cut off grazing rights on federal land. So in addition to not being able to buy a loaf of bread, you're not going to be able to buy a piece of steak either. Starting to get yep. scary. Hey, man, they better not mess with my cow. Just saying. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's all getting very strange. It, it's all getting very strange. I mean, when you look at the markets and how volatile they are, it's an indication of how bad things could be. Be and how hyper inflated the value of the stock market is today. And I'm not sure it's real. I think that there's a lot of artificial propping up that's been done through whatever. And the Federal Reserve is talking about raising interest. Well, they're going to hold steady on the interest rates, but they're starting to throw flags in other areas where it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Isn't that the truth? You know, I had a young man come into my office today that I work with. He says, hey, I just sold a house. And, you know, I he just, just out of the service. He had a house in Virginia Beach. And he sold it. He bought it well, and he did well on it. And he made, he owned the house for just under a year, and he made $60,000 or something like that. Okay. And I'm like, he's like, well, I got to pay capital gains tax. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Cool. No, that's that's the rules. You got to pay the capital gains tax. I'm like, what are you going to do with the rest of it? Are you going to invest it? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go buy some cryptos. And I was like, oh, cryptos. I'm like, can you eat a crypto? And he's like, no, but you can buy food with a crypto. I'm like, can you? Can you hold a crypto in your hand? He's like, well, those Bitcoin things are like real coins. I'm like, they're real coins. They're they're what like are they made of? He says. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, what are they made of? He says, they're like an ounce of real silver. So I'm like, they're worth $26 each. He's like, no, they're worth 30000 And I said, no, they're not. <laughs> well, that's because uh, he's clearly misinformed or uninformed. 
I mean, the next big thing is that I hear it is the Kalagna. So that'll be even, yeah, it'd be like a hundred thousand in real imaginary Bitcoin currency. Yeah. But this is the brainwashing at such high levels that takes place. I agree. And I'm a little bit concerned about it. You know, listen, these people that have pensions out there, you know, if there's any way that you can cash that puppy out, you know, talk to a financial planner, talk to a financial advisor. That's what I might think about doing if there's a way to get in, you know, get your money all at one time and get out of it and just manage your own fund. Uh, but geez, you know, it really scares me. All of these villages and all of these cities are just running so deeply in the black right now or in the in the red. It's it's ridiculous. So it's it's all getting. Do you ever look around you and and and, and the walls are starting to come in? You know, and you're like, and you're sitting there, you're like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Rome is burning and I'm just going to sit here. Everything's fine. It's fine until it's not fine. Yeah. Where is not fine? Where does that part come? Well, the problem is there's just too many people that have firearms. That's all I can say. <laughs> just ask your buddy Cuomo. He'll tell you. <laughs> just ask well, Uncle, anyhow. Uncle Andy. Uncle, Uncle Andy. Yeah, he's got problems of his own, doesn't he? Well, he probably will never be consequenced for those things, but that's that's another story for another time. Hey, listen, everybody. Hey, Kilo, thanks a lot. Great job tonight. You know, it's your first show, uh, your first real show with us. Really appreciate you coming on and, and, and you know, picking up the ball and, and running with it for Bravo. Uh, he's out there somewhere. Hope he's listening uh, and doing well. But uh, anyhow, we just want to tell everybody, you know, have, you know, think positive, you know, we're Americans. We've been through a lot of things, you know, uh, as a country and as individuals and, and somehow we always manage to survive and, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. So, you know, there's some hope out there. There's some things that are happening. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but it just seems that way. Uh, we're Americans after all, and, and, and we're tough. We're tough people. Uh, so let's, let's just, have a little bit of courage here. So anyhow, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor. Well, not really so much a sponsor, an affiliate, POF USA, POF-USA.com. Choice of the people that protect Andrew Cuomo, I'm sure, in AR-15s. Uh, but you can't have one if you live in New York because, you know, reasons. Uh, we have an epidemic not. here. That's right. It's an epidemic. You can't have an AR-15 if you're a responsible person who has been vetted by many government agencies and deemed safe by insane by several states and federal government. Uh, so POF-USA.com, makers of the finest AR-15 style rifles anywhere in the world. And Mark's Guns LLC up in Minnesota. Look them up, MarksGunsLLC.com. Look them up on the Internet if you need anything. Give them a holler and they'll get it ordered. Get it on your way to your FFL for you. Uh, there is no such thing as Internet sale of guns. There's always a federally licensed broker in the middle of the program to make sure your background is checked for any of those liberals out there that might be listening who are living under some delusion that you can buy a gun off the Internet. You can. You can pay for it, but it's got to get shipped to a dealer and where you go through your background check and your paperwork, and then they go ahead and release it to you. So pfft, take that. Anyhow. And that's all we have for you for this evening. Don't forget to check us out on Rumble. Parlor's pretty much a dead issue these days. It's turned into a real pain in the ass, so we don't really play with too much with Parlor. Uh, go check us out on your favorite podcast outlets, Audible, 
iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, etc., etc., Google Play, Google Play Music, Apple Music, etc. We're out there. Signal 50 podcast coming at you. Again, thanks for joining us. Kilo, again, thank you so, so much for joining us this evening. And thanks for having me, Alpha. Stay safe and be well, my friend. And come join us next Sunday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, for another episode of the Signal 50 podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great week.